my god, just let the dog bark. People, we can't afford a studio. Dogs bark. No, did you? All right, we've had, like, comments about this on the World Wide Web. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. Where? Check Reddit. We're on Reddit? Check who is also a political scientist. Yes, we are. That's how you described, by the way. You're kidding. <laughs> You're kidding. No, you have to send this to me. I have to send Right, this. basically, they go, they desperately need a sound engineer, which we do. <laughs> but the chick is a political scientist, which is a plus. <laughs> oh my god, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Where is this? And why should. Why are you Googling us? You should not do that. You're, you're such a weirdo. You're such a weirdo. Hello, you're listening to Brazil Mets, an insane journey through the world of Brazilian politics, with your host, Larissa Peixoto, political scientist, and Gareth Davis, the man who puts the blues into beatboxing. Coming up on this episode, well, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and COVID-19, because you probably haven't heard enough about that over the past 12 months. This time we're going to be talking about how it's going in Brazil. So, you know, a bright and breezy episode for us to come back with. Personally, I was like, I'm not sure this is a good idea, but Larissa insisted, and I agreed because I like a quiet life. Please remember to rate and review us wherever you rate and review things. Maybe you're on Wikipedia, the Wikipedia for Star Wars, and you're like, no, there's no way an X-Wing could outmaneuver a TIE fighter. It's just not possible. An X-Wing is like a bus in comparison. So therefore, I do not find this article useful. But what I do find useful is Brazil Nuts. It's a podcast. You'd probably like it. They don't talk about Star Wars very much, if at all. Okay, bye. I have a story for you, by the way. Thank you. A pensioner from Cardiff is looking for two Irishmen who helped him escape Australia by mailing him off in a wooden crate. Brian Robson was 19 years old when he decided to go ahead with the, in inverted commas, stupid plan to get yes. home to Wales in 1965. After 11 months down under, he was feeling desperately homesick, but the £40 he made a month working for Victorian Railways wasn't nearly enough to cover a £700 plane ticket. But after being talked into it for about a week, two Irish friends and colleagues, known to Brian only as Paul and John, helped pack him into a box the size of a mini fridge. Well, at least they weren't from Liverpool. They nailed it shut and sent him off as cargo on a Qantas flight from Melbourne to London. Or at least, that was the plan. Oh my god. Brian says he needed their help because Paul had access to a typewriter to fill out the paperwork and send him off as post. He told the Irish Times, Paul really was 100% against it, but John said, don't worry, I'll persuade him. That's, that is exactly Paul and John from the Beatles. That sounds like totally their dynamic. No, it doesn't at all whatsoever, because otherwise John would have said, don't worry, I'll persuade him. 
And so they both went ahead and helped. Into the tiny box, Brian brought with him pillows, a torch, his suitcase, a book of Beatles songs, (gasps) and two bottles. One for water, the other for urine. Brian, now 75, wasn't expecting a luxurious trip, but what should have been a 36-hour direct flight ended up as a four-day-long ordeal. No food? He didn't pack any food? The Qantas flight was full, so the crate labelled by the escapee as containing a computer (gasps) was put on a much slower Pan Am flight that ended up in Los Angeles. Brian said the airplane's hold was both freezing cold and boiling hot and he struggled to breathe during the journey. When the plane landed in Sydney, he was left upside down for 22 hours, despite several this-side-up labels on the crate, causing him to suffer (laughs) blackouts. After leaving Sydney and landing again, Brian thought he was finally in London. But after being carted off to a freight shed, he peeked through a hole in the chest and caught eyes with a frightened US customs official who thought there was a dead body inside. (laughs) He was then interrogated by the FBI who wanted to make sure he wasn't a Cold War spy. Of course. Of course. Once they were satisfied he wasn't a threat, authorities decided not to press charges, instead flying him to London on a regular commercial flight. For free? Unless he traded his book of Beatles songs and his bottle of urine. (laughs) Oh, gross. Brian's legs had seized up inside the box, so he had to recover in hospital first before his journey. Australia's then-acting Minister for Immigration, Leslie Barry, said the government would not take any action against him. Brian says he had written to Paul and John to thank them for their help, but never heard back from them. Ah, the bastards! He remembers that the pair went to school together in Ireland, although he isn't quite sure where. The stowaway added, If I met them again, I'd just like to say that I'm sorry I got them into this, and that I missed them when I came back. I'd like to buy them a drink. After returning to Wales, Brian spent his life working in retail and will now tell his story in a book called... Can you guess the title of the book? Brian's Journey? No, I can't. You know I'm bad at this. The book is going to be called The Crate Escape. (laughs) That's perfect. Which is set to come out in late April. A film depicting his near-fatal journey is also in the works. Oh, good. I was going to say that this should be a film. Looking back at his plan, he told the BBC... It was stupid. If my kids tried it, I would kill them. But it was a different time. And 19-year-olds are dumb. Anyway, that is my favourite story of the week. The only thing dumber than a 19-year-old is a 17-year-old. I disagree. For example, I've met some (laughs) very clever 17-year-olds. And I know me. And I'm not 17. And I'm as dumb as a post. So... (laughs) And who doesn't pack food? Like, I've been thinking about the quarantine hotel, and I've been considering, like, half of my luggage, at least one of the suitcases, should be snacks. So I don't have to buy any at the hotel. Hmm. Indeed. Absolutely. But Brian... Is a dum-dum! ...was made of much sterner stuff, and also isn't addicted to monosodium glutamate like somebody I can mention. I don't think there's MSG in chocolate. Just sucrose. I'm addicted to refined sugar, that's all. Well, I'm glad you kicked the heroin habit. So... (laughs) You're such a jerk! 
What are we talking about today? Today, we are doing a COVID in Brazil update. Hooray! Yeah, because we talked about COVID here last year around the same time. That's true. And things have changed a lot for, for the worst. Oh, you should have at least left that hanging for a bit so I could go, No, For the no. better! Oh, okay, no, right, fine. No, because that would be me. So things have changed a lot for the worst. And I see in here a lot of international news about it. And people don't really use Brazilian sources. So you see people quoting, oh, this research from this university in the United States or this institute in the UK. And they don't really talk about Brazil as a society with people that are suffering. And they don't really talk about it as a society with its own scientists that are trying to do things. It's just something that is like, look at this horrible place and aren't you glad you don't live there? That's mostly what I get from these news. And so I thought we could give an update directly from the source. The source being, you know, direct data and through me, a Brazilian. So I don't speak for everyone, of course. But I am here and I am experiencing this catastrophe here. Okay. Okay. So today is April 13th. That's when we're recording this. So the data is from this day because I'm going to talk about, you know, number of current cases. So right now there are 1,206,123 cases of COVID-19 in Brazil that are reported. Right, we always have to remember that these are reported, that we're sure that we're tested, that are COVID cases, and that are in hospitals, that are not, you know, because there could be more at home. So let's say I live alone, and I'm working from home. I went to the grocery store, and about a week later, I felt symptoms, and I just decided to stay at home, because those are light symptoms. You're never going to know if that was COVID or not. How'd you get tested? So getting tested is actually pretty easy. Okay. Depending on where you are and your level of income. Mm -hmm. So for instance, when I came back from my trip, so I had to take a work trip and I sheltered. So I isolated myself. When it was time to get the test, I just went to a drugstore and it's a drive, it's drive through testing. In 20 minutes, I got an email telling me I was negative. Okay. So I went in, they had these little booths that were on the outside of the drugstore. They shoved the Q-tip up my nose and into my brain. And in 20 minutes, I had a result. But if that was positive, that result, that would then count as one of those one million odd cases, right? Yeah. Okay. So that information gets centralized. Yeah. Despite the fact that you wouldn't need to be treated for anything at all. You would just go back to isolation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I went to the drugstore, but that testing goes to a lab. Mm. So that lab needs to report that. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I paid for the test out of pocket, although my insurance gave me a discount. So if I'm a lower income person, if I don't have insurance, if I am on SUS, which is our universal healthcare system, then I have to go to a healthcare facility a healthcare unit 
So if you want to know more about our healthcare system, we have an episode about it way at the beginning. I'll link it in our show notes. So, and you're going to know everything mm-hmm. about our healthcare system. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to call for a killer whale to come and pick you up. And <laughs> No, 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 no. Stop. Stop with your shenanigans. Okay, so the total number of cases that we've had... Oh, wait, hang on. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That one million wasn't total then in that case. No, that is current. Oh, shit. Okay, that's a lot. Yes, that is cases that we have that are ongoing right now being treated. Damn. Okay, so how many is it in total then? 13,517,808. Bloody hell. That's a lot. Yes. So that's why I wanted to do this. To give dimensions to this. Hmm. And that means a incidence rate of 6,432 people per 100,000 people. So at every 100,000 people, 6,500 roughly have had or have COVID. Thank you, Nora. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So number of deaths yesterday, April 12th, was 1,480. Now okay. that was a light day because our highest number of deaths was April 8th, 4,195. Total deaths is 354,617. So that is a little more than the population of Cardiff. Yeah. And that incidence rate is 169 people. So every 100,000 people, 169 have died from COVID. Now, what this hides is a difference among regions and states. So you have states that are doing better and states that are doing worst. Mm. Because Brazil is a very unequal place. Mm. But the place that continues to be worst is Amazonas. It has a rate of 8,659 cases per 100,000 people and 296 deaths per 100,000 people. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. So that is a a huge difference from the overall number of the country. Yeah. And that happens because, as we also mentioned in our State of Your Nuts episode about Amazonas, there's way less access to healthcare there, way less access to infrastructure, sewage systems. So it's just a place that is not having the infrastructure to handle this. And the the federal government is not doing what it needs to do to handle it. So I and I'm going to get into that in a minute. So since the pandemic started, we are on our fourth health minister. I mean, that's the good thing about it, though, isn't it? There's nothing that helps in a crisis more than randomly changing the person who's supposed to deal with it several times throughout the course of the event. Change that leadership. Let's just have instability. Exactly. Absolutely. You know what? You know why most organizations and groups fail? Do you know why? Why is that? It's because of the same old, same old, right? We live in interesting times. You need to shake things up a bit. You need <laughs> fresh thinking at the top. You do. Every three months. Let's shake things up. Every three months, you look at it and you go, you know what? 
you've had about as much time as the last person to fix all of this. <laughs> and you didn't. And you haven't. So we're going to replace you with a banana we've drawn a face on. <laughs> Pretty much. Because the first minister, the first health minister, was fired by Bolsonaro for being too on the ball. So he was fighting with Bolsonaro way too much. He was arguing for lockdowns and for social isolation. So this was early on in the pandemic. They'll we never really work. didn't know anything. So he fired that guy. Next guy lasted almost a whole month, 29 days on the dot. And those two guys were medical doctors. Then you have a general. He gets a guy with no healthcare training whatsoever to be the health minister. A guy who didn't even know how long the healthcare system had existed for. But to be fair, this isn't about healthcare. This is about health scare. <laughs> And if anybody knows how to win a war against an advancing enemy, it's a general. A Brazilian general, because you know... Admittedly, Brazil doesn't have an incredible track record when it comes to military campaigns. Yeah, I mean, we have a good track record, we just don't have a very big track record because no. we don't actually go to wars anymore. That's true. Yes, absolutely. There's that one time where you won and then you were like, nope, we're good. That's it. We're done. We don't need to fight any more wars now. Exactly. Game over. Oh, you have a peacekeeping mission? Sure. I'll send some guys over. That's yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to you want to build a bridge? Sure. Here's our military. Yeah, They're exactly. great at building bridges. They're fantastically good at building bridges. And mending fences. Eh? <laughs> eh? <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Eh? So, you have this general, Pazuelo, and he's just atrocious. To the point, people suffocated to death in the oh. north of Brazil because God. there's a lack of oxygen. Oh, okay. But how do you not get oxygen to people? So, there was a lack of oxygen thing tanks he was told about it and did nothing and people died waiting for oxygen they literally suffocated to death because of this man but even if you're not a medical professional and let's be fair i'm not a medical professional you're a doctor but you don't you're not, not a, a medical, medical professional. professional even saying that if somebody goes to you there is a contagious respiratory disease that is ravaging our country. We're running low of oxygen here, here, and here. The first thing you do would be to go, Ah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send some oxygen tanks to those places. That's what I'm going to do. Especially, you know, those places that have fewer roads, that have a hard time having access to things. You know, I'm going to help those places. And it's not as if the lack of roads is going to be a problem because there's enough people in government who have their own planes that they use to fly cocaine around the place, apparently. So <laughs> why not yep. just commandeer one of them and just fill it with oxygen tanks and just, you know, drop them off? I mean, not from the sky, obviously, because they're oxygen tanks. And if they fall to the ground and hit somebody in the head, it'll kill them. But, like, maybe just drop them off after landing somewhere in a field. 
there actually like recently there was an image that went viral of healthcare professionals going into this rural area that d didn't have any road access and they were going there to vaccinate people and the images of of them just going up the like a tree trunk that was laid across like a small canyon hmm. with a line for them to hold so they have full ppe and they're just and these people are amazing because they were walking in full ppe mask hair nets and aprons just bringing vaccines to people and then you have a general who's all about country first and he is letting people suffocate to death mm. now of course these two things happen separately but you still have healthcare professionals just doing everything that they can to help people and they have no leadership now you said the general was the third health minister out of four yes. health ministers i'm assuming he was fired due to obvious incompetence? Yes. So at this point, you know, even one of Bolsonaro's faves can't handle the pressure. Bolsonaro can't hold on to him. So he alleged health issues and resigned. I mean, that's very brave of him, really, honestly. <laughs> yeah, right? He's the health minister yeah. during a global pandemic and he claims... Ah, uh, you know what? I'm feeling a bit peaky, so therefore I'm I I don't think I can just carry on with this job anymore. Tootle pops, and off he went. So they hired mm. a different minister. So there was a discussion between two people, and of course they hired the least qualified. Okay, right. Okay, so out of the two people, yeah, was one of them a honey badger? <laughs> Wearing one of those Groucho Marx mustaches and glasses nose combos. Yes, that is the current health minister. How did you guess? I, I, I mean, you know, I was just basing it off Bolsonaro's previous hiring track record, honestly. I mean, honestly, it's like this guy bought his medical degree because he has done zilch hmm. throughout his leadership. Can you buy medical degrees? Is that is that how you do it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, all right then. Because if you can, I've always quite fancied myself as a doctor. Really? No. no. I mean, for a start, I'm very tall. <laughs> You'd be a better health minister because you're kind. Not to me, but to others. Anyway, there was somebody else in the running. People who support Bolsonaro didn't like her. She was... Dilma's doctor when Dilma had cancer. Okay, right. Well, I can see what the problem is going to be here for a start. She was a she, yeah. I mean, I don't want to point this out to you, but she was a woman. <laughs> yep. And we all know the reason why Doogie Howser MD was played by Neil Patrick Harris and not Nellie Patricia Harris, don't we? Hmm? Mm. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Mm. So she is a nothing, big supporter. Nothing for Nellie Patricia Harris at all. That was <laughs> nothing for that. It was very, it was very well done. Thank you, thank you. Like Neil Patrick Harris as well, just right off the top of my bonds, and you, you, you didn't, you didn't give me anything. Everyone, everyone knows. Not that he was Doogie Howser, MD. They don't. 
Yes, they do. Everyone knows Neil Patrick Harris. Right. After this episode is done and we finish recording, I want you to put up a poll and say, can you name who played Doogie Howser MD? And it's just a yes or no. Fine. Yep. Good. Excellent. This is the specialist knowledge that I bring to this podcast. We can't all be chicks who are political scientists. <laughs> so the person who was being supposedly considered for health minister was Lujimila Aja. That's correct, yes. That's exactly how you pronounce that name. Mm-hmm. So she's said to have refused the invitation. Because, you know, there's only one woman that is willing to work with Bolsonaro and she's completely mad. Is that the lady who thought that she saw Jesus on a guava tree? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. That's her. Okay. Have they thought about hiring her for health minister? Because, <laughs> I mean, look, we've tried everything else at this point. We might as well find out what Jesus has to say all about it. I'm sure she has been talking about what she thinks Jesus has to say about it. I don't know if anyone's listening. I love the idea that she just attends cabinet meetings with like a little hand puppet of Jesus just standing next to her and just like, what's that Jesus? I was watching season one of The Circle UK and mm. there's a guy who keeps saying that he's a psychic medium yes. and that he talks with a spirit yes. and he's always just talking to nothing yeah. next to him mm -hmm. because that's the spirit that he talks to because he's a psychic medium. I imagine that she's like that. She mm. just stares into nothing and she thinks it's Jesus Christ. Do you know there was a school open in Swansea that would teach you how to be a psychic medium? I love that we have to say both. It's, you can just say one or the other. Psychic or medium. No, no. Because otherwise people will confuse you with a medium-sized person or... <laughs> Somebody who rides about on a bicycle all day long. What? Yeah, cyclist medium. Okay, can I keep doing yes, this? Yes, no, I'm not stopping you. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm, we're having a conversation. Okay, so Marcelo Queiroga does have it's a It's your own degree. fault. See, you keep interrupting me. You left me with dead air to fill. I filled it, I got onto a subject all by myself that I wanted to talk about, <laughs> and then, and now you've come blundering back in with your elephant gun, and you're like, boom, boom, this is what we're going to talk about now. There is no dead air. And this is not radio, so there is literally no dead air. You can just, you can just wait. I disagree. So he is the president of the Who is? Brazilian... Marcelo Queiroga, the health minister that I've been trying to talk about for 10 minutes. Right, okay, but you realise that we've been talking over each other during this point, so you need to start yes! that bit again. So just say his name and then just go into the thing that you need to go into. I hate you. I hate you too. Okay, so Marcelo Queiroga supposedly does have a medical degree and is the president of the Brazilian Society for Cardiology. Okay. But the determining factor here was that he is friends, or at least very close to the Bolsonaro family. Color so he stunned. was actually, he was sponsored by one of the kids. Uh, so number one, Flavio Bolsonaro. And he is friends with the son's family. Hmm. Okay. 
So he has not supported lockdown. He has not talked about masks. Healthcare providers everywhere are still being pushed to give people hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And at this point, there is situations reported in which patients are being violent and abusive to their doctors demanding hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, even though right now there's actually a rise in cases of liver damage and the need for liver transplants because of people overdosing with these drugs when they don't need them and they don't work for COVID. Mm. So what are what have been the new problems is that there's been an increased hospitalization of young people. So 52% of people hospitalized are under 40. So when before we were like, oh, this only kills old people as if that were okay. Now people who are being hospitalized are people under 40. And 58% of people being hospitalized need mechanical ventilation, despite the fact that most hospitals are now reporting that they will be out of anesthetic for intubation within a few days. People have been waking up while intubated because they run out of anesthetics. Jesus. They're running out of intubation kits completely. And of course, oxygen. And then you also have the lack of beds, which was already an issue. And it's now even worse. So people are just waiting in line to get an ICU bed. So the problem is not even just COVID. I've been walking down the stairs of my house, like very slowly, because as you know, I'm a very clumsy person. And I'm terrified of falling and needing to go to the hospital because there's no beds for other injuries or other medical issues. So in my city, we have started vaccinating people who are 63 years old mm -hmm. and people in healthcare who are 49 years old. But even then, you have to like prove with formal registration of work that you are in healthcare. So people who work informally, say you are a carer for an elderly person, or you're a concierge veterinarian like my sister, it's much harder to actually get a vaccine. Hmm. But my city is definitely one, that, one of the ones that are doing better hmm. because it has a more down-to-earth mayor. Hmm. So another problem that has been pointed out that is new is something called necrushorumi, which I really tried to find a translation for and couldn't. So Hang on, I'll have a bash at it. It, what's the word? Necroshorumi. Okay, so that is going to be some sort of sugar-based dessert with plums? No. Oh, God, you're wrong. You're going to be so sad at how wrong you are. Okay. Because when people are buried... Okay. They, yeah, they decompose. Okay. And so, you know, when you have, you know perishables in the trash and there's a liquid yes that happens to human bodies as well okay so at the rate that we're burying people because brazil is more of a burying than cremating country yes we are having more of that liquid which brings a danger of contaminating the water supply oh god that's the worst thing ever 
Okay. Yep. So, so that is a new problem. So when it comes to vaccines, we have a lack of supply mm -hmm. as we were one of the last countries that actually could afford them to get in line. Mm -hmm. We have had issues with delivery and application of them. So there have been places that are seem to have been applying them improperly. So they're, they they're complaining that they didn't receive enough dosages. But what the Institute Butantan has, has said is that they are not used, they're probably, probably not using the correct needles and there's more slippage mm -hmm. than there should have been. The pace of applications is extremely low. Access to them is differentiated. So if you are in an urban area, if you are in a rural area, if you are in a place that doesn't have, you know, a paved highway, all of that affects if you're going to get a vaccine or not. However, the virus has spread through the entire country, regardless of any of those factors. Mm -hmm. What is sad about this is that all of this could have been avoided because all of these issues are a lack of a systematic plan of attack because Brazil has the largest immunization plan in the world and the largest healthcare system in the world. So at one point, Brazil actually managed to vaccinate 18 million children in one day against polio. And now we can't seem to vaccinate 2 million. But the infrastructure to do that would still be there, wouldn't it? I mean, it's... It it's... is. It is here. It's present. So what's stopping it from happening now? I mean, apart from... Bolsonaro. Apart from the lack of availability of the actual vaccine itself, potentially, what else would be stopping it? Bolsonaro and Marcelo Queiroga coming up with an actual plan. Because you can't just dump a bunch of vaccines on a healthcare system and say, do it. You have to have a plan for it. I mean, it. you can. It's just not going to be very successful at that point, really. Exactly. So when other vaccination plans of similar size were done, there was a very specific structure that followed in order to achieve the mm. outcome that was desired. So Brazil eradicated polio within a few years of SUS actually existing. So it was trying and it was trying and it did this and it did that in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. And then in 88, you established SUS and 93, you don't have polio in Brazil anymore. One thing that was extremely poorly thought out early in the pandemic is the lack of funding to the institutes in Brazil that work on vaccines and the federal universities that have the capacity to research and essentially give patents, give the production means to factories. So we could have had a Brazilian vaccine, you know, last August, hmm. but we don't. And that is the fault of the federal government. So now we also have the Parliamentary Commission for Inquiry, which is a commission set up in a le legislative chamber in Brazil that can investigate any topic it wants within its scope, within its jurisdiction. So the Chamber of Deputies wants to set up the CPI uh, to investigate the federal government, the executive, Bolsonaro and Pazuelo and people suffocating to death. Mm. But it's said to only meet when in-person works return, which you know. Yeah, I can kind of see the obvious issue with that. 
I think one issue that we've been having with vaccines is line cutters. So maybe they are going to get vaccinated. They will turn themselves essential. In Rio de Janeiro, the police officers managed to make themselves more essential than teachers. So they're going to get vaccinated first. I mean, to be fair, though, police officers... Yeah, nobody's getting close to them. They have guns and kill people. No, I know. But I'm just saying that, you know, when it comes to what we believe is the future, <laughs> is it really the children? <laughs> or is it PC McNulty with their AK-47? And that's that's the question that you have to ask yourself. That's true. Hmm. So Bolsonaro did a couple things when he found out that the CPI was going forward. Was one of them a fifth of vodka? <laughs> no, because then it would make me mellow. Okay. And he's not a mellow chap, I take it. No. Okay, right. So he is really pissed off about this. So he first, he tried to stop it. One of the ways is the president of the Senate, so the the speaker of the Senate, wasn't accepting the, the request for a CPI. So the people who requested it went to the Supreme Court and said, look, we've met all of the requirements for a CPI, so it's unconstitutional that this guy is not letting it go through. So one of the justices went, you're right, so it's now going through. So Bolsonaro was really pissed. And so he's trying to interfere with the scope of it. First, he tried to claim that it should also investigate mayors and governors, which it can't do. Why do I have a feeling this ends with, and then they should investigate Hillary Clinton? (laughs) Oh my god. So... First, he tried to interfere with the scope, but the Chamber of Deputies can't investigate other executives. The other executives are investigated by the legislative assemblies in the states and the municipal chambers in the municipalities. So Mm -hmm. some governors are already under CPIs for COVID in their legislative assemblies. So then he tried to say that you need to impeach members of the Supreme Court. And he was caught on tape saying this, like he was talking on the phone and somebody recorded him like a senator recorded him and leaked it. And all of his suggestions are unconstitutional and possibly constitute crimes of responsibility, which he should be impeached for. But he should also be impeached for being, you know, him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's not going to happen. No, but we can live in hope, can't we? (laughs) Yeah. So the forecast now... He accepted a new aid package that came from the Chamber of Deputies. There was a deal. The new aid package is so ridiculous and pathetic and small that there were there was a study from the Getulio Vargas Foundation that found that as far as alleviating poverty and circulating the economy, it was as good as nothing. Mm. Now, of course, if I have no money for food or rent, getting a little bit of extra cash... You know, it helps me out, but it doesn't keep me, an informal worker, a gig economy worker maybe, from going out and still working. What the first aid package did was exactly that. People were able to stay home and not go out and Hmm. deliver food or pick up cans for recycling. But this new aid package doesn't do that. So it may help people out, but it mainly helps them pay the bills which, fine, it helps them in a psychological way, 
but it's actually just putting money in the pockets of the people who are collecting the bills. Yeah. So the forecast is that by the end of April, we will reach 5,000 deaths per day. Jeez, Louise, yeah. And that by July, we will reach 500,000 deaths. And eventually, we will have more deaths in absolute numbers than the United States did. We already have more deaths per capita than the United States did. Mm. Now, as somebody who is living here, this means I don't get out of my house ever because I am very, very privileged and very, very lucky. I simply don't get out of my house. My parents have had their first shots of the vaccine. They don't really understand that this still means that they need to stay put. They don't get out almost for anything, but they still, you know, go to the doctors and then stop by the bakery. I make sure that, that they have the strongest mask possible. My sister still goes sees her patients, but she takes all the care possible. She comes home and she immediately takes her clothes, puts them in the wash. Burns them. Wait, and, and takes a shower. And this, this is worse than at the beginning. So I spent months without seeing friends. And then it felt like we could relax a little bit. We were having socially distanced. Hi. Had New Year's together. And now it's barely that and on the other end of it we see that people who aren't as lucky who aren't as privileged have to work so i get to order my groceries somebody has to package them and somebody has to deliver them i get to order food in somebody has to deliver them and that kind of gets lost not just in brazilian news but also in international news and i'm so grateful but so worried for these people and I don't really see this ending so my work offered for me to wait it out because if I move now I have to be quarantined in a quarantine hotel in Heathrow and they said oh you can wait it out until this passes until Brazil is no longer a red list country that's not happening that is not going to happen there will be elections October next year and if they somehow manage to not frame Lula or murder him, then after January 2023, like in the United States after Joe Biden was elected, maybe we'll see some change. Because even if Bolsonaro were to be impeached, we'd still have his vice president. And I, that is somebody that you just simply don't know who, what they would do. It's a military general. So that's why I wanted to have this. I wanted to just somebody on the inside. And do you have any questions? Is there something that I didn't talk about that you want to know? No. <laughs> was that depressing enough for you? I mean, I mean, I mean, it was fine until that last monologue there. And now my heart is broken into a million pieces. And I'm going to eat all the chocolate in my house. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, next yeah. week you can do another one about racial disparities in Brazil. How about that? Oh, good. Yes, please. Let's get back to that absolute barnstormer. How about the genocide of indigenous peoples during colonization? You know, we haven't done a good genocide in a while. Uh, yeah, really. right? <laughs> right? It's been a while since we did a good genocide. Yeah, I mean, to step away from the current genocide of poor people because of covid let's talk about the original genocide that birthed this nation mm. anyway 
time, methinks, to wrap this up. Methinks also. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to Larissa for doing all the research this week. For once. <gasps> Rude! Thank you to everyone out there who is working a job that essentially means that all the rest of us can stay inside. You really are brilliant and true heroes. And you are not celebrated anywhere near enough. With all that being said, if you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate and review us wherever you rate and review things. And follow, like, and subscribe. Where are we at, yo? At Brazonuts Pod. Where are we also at, yo? BrazilNutsPod.com Boom. Yes, we are. Be there or be square. And all that remains is to say to everyone listening out there, please stay safe and look after yourselves and each other. Good night. God bless. Take care. Bye. The chick is signing off. <laughs>Just to get this lined up. Yes. Ask me a question. Any question you want. Does the carpet match the drapes? I refuse to answer that. <laughs> you are so outraged. Where did that come from? <laughs> That's the question everybody asks redheads when they get a chance to. You're not putting this in the oh, podcast. Oh, I'm putting this in the podcast. <laughs> oh, come on. No, you yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah. I can, I will. I'll cut it. You will not cut it. I'll hide it. (laughs) I will cut it. No. What I'll do is I'll position it at the exact point I know that you won't be listening to the podcast because you won't have touched your phone in like 20 minutes. And so you'll have to go and text somebody or do something else and you'll be distracted and you'll skip past that bit. Brazil Nuts is an effort by Larissa Peixoto and Gareth Davis. We'd like to thank Oster Zlinski for our graphic design. We'd also like to thank the essential workers for keeping us safe. And you, our listeners, you are brilliant and beautiful. Like a lovely fair in a southern US state. Charming, folksy, full of fried goods of a dubious origin. Thank you for listening. keep googling us to see what people say about us which is insane why aren't you doing that that's my question because i don't care i think it's insane that you're not doing that i don't care really i care a lot my entire existence is validated by randos on the internet okay